2: All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here in Stamford, Connecticut at MBC Sports Studios here with Drew Dinzik. Today, we're going to talk AFC North preview and then also jump into... Wimbledon and uh, close out with some awakened cash. Give our best bets uh, for Wimbledon. Had a haircut, Drew. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> uh, more aerodynamic as we preview the AFC North. Let's start off with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, win totals eleven and a half. They're plus one twenty to win the division. Geez, that seems short uh, in this division. Uh, five to one to win the AFC. Nine to one to win the Super Bowl. Come a long way since being six-point dogs to Buffalo two games ago for them. Uh, what do you make of this team? Yeah, it's, uh,
0: it is a bit short considering how close I have these teams across this division. Um, the AFC North is absolutely outstanding. Um, and, you know, the Bengals now with uh, two North titles in a row... Building a little bit of uh, you know steam within their own division is 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 obviously attributable to them having the best quarterback in the division, uh, and I say that as a guy who loves Lamar Jackson. Uh, it's still obvious that um, uh, Joe Burrow is the top three quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, his skill set is married perfectly with the um, you know the skill position players they have in terms of maximizing the you know the offense overall, and you know the Bengals were a little bit of a bet against last year. A lot of people thought they were going to Super Bowl slump, uh, you know, not repeat uh, or andor uh, you know would have issues because the offensive line was kind of weak, and you know could the defense repeat? Well, they answered all those questions with an emphatic uh, you know we are taking a step forward as an offense. Um, And as I've graded them on paper this year, uh, they have the second most talented overall offensive roster in all of football. Um, Their offensive line is incredibly good. They made some very shrewd moves there to continue to shore up that unit. Uh, All five players in starting offensive line are, you know, you know, above replacement level by a, you know by a relatively large margin um so you should have an opportunity to continue burrow's progression um obviously a healthy campaign from three the three wide receivers they have is the most talented skilled position group in all of the nfl and so there's really nothing holding back this offense whatsoever the only thing i can ding them for is they lost a lot on the defensive side of the ball this is a team that has a ton of turnover and they're relying on the amazing coordination of one mr Lou anaruma to kind of make up for what is a pretty clear talent gap between them and the rest of this division Um, interesting to have the best offense on paper worst defense on paper uh, in the uh, AFC North and I think that tends to create opportunities to bet against this team um, because there's going to be in some shootouts that ultimately end up as coin flips and uh, you know we saw them ultimately in their run last year against the Kansas City Chiefs and that was largely on the back of the Chiefs just playing a really solid defensive game against them, um, and I think there are definitely some lessons people can take away and try to replicate that to uh, if you know keep the Bengals in the twenty-eight to thirty-one point range as opposed to just uh, you know really seeing this offense completely take off. So Bengals are a bet against for me, but it's pretty weak for, because this offense again on paper is you know among the most talented, uh, you know clearly in the top three uh, for most talented in the NFL.
2: Yeah, they're a strange team, the Bengals, because on one hand, they've made the Super Bowl and then, I mean, they were with, what, a minute and a half to go in the AFC title game. They were pretty clear favorites. I think they got into like minus 200 range as Joe Burrow was driving uh, at the death. And so on one hand, you have that. On the other hand, you have a team that, you know, hasn't, hasn't been a top two seed the past two seasons that randomly gets blown out by 19 against Cleveland last season, loses to Cooper Rush, And also ended last year on an eight game winning streak going into the playoffs and completely destroyed Buffalo uh, in Buffalo. So I think the thing with the Bengals is that they are, they have, I think, a higher floor than most uh, just in terms of being built around their offense and just Burrow and Chase gives you such a high floor. Obviously, they have a higher floor than most teams are the third favorite in the AFC, but um, that is why they are much more likely to, to go deep than teams like you know, the Jets, who are so dependent on defense and don't have uh, as proven of an offense. In terms of uh, some awards markets, Joe Burrow is co-favorite to win MVP at 6.50. I can't get around that at all I would need closer to twice that price I think offensive player of the year Jamar Chase is 12 to 1 and co-favorite with Justin Jefferson again don't like that either Uh, I just think that it's weird. Everywhere has Justin Jefferson as the favorite to lead the league in receiving yards, but then has Chase as co-favorite or favorite <laughs> to an offensive player of the year, which to me makes just no sense uh, at all. If Justin Jefferson wins the receiving yards side of that, is very likely going to block Jamar Chase from winning that award. And then Zach Taylor, he's 25-1 to 1 to win coach of the year. I think it's going to be very difficult for Zach Taylor to win that award when Joe Burrow is his quarterback. We've seen in the past that it's uh, it's just too difficult to separate coach and elite quarterback unless you unless the Bengals go fifteen and two and run away with the one seed in the AFC. So none of those awards better appetizing to me. Anything that that leaps out to you? No,
0: I agree with your sentiment on price for Burrow. Although I will say that if the Bengals do well, if they are winning games, it is literally because he's taken the offense to another level. Uh, where he's going to be threatening breaking records, and um, yeah, I mean he's going to have all the time in the world behind this very good offensive line, and the guys he's working with, including Chase, just incredible. So, yeah, it uh, there's a potentially you know potential stat explosion here for the Bengals, but uh, I don't see them ultimately having the same team success they had in the last couple of years, and their their schedule is notably tougher than some of their divisional opponents, which I could think kind of adds fuel to my fire, at least to uh, treat this team as a bet against, at least at current market price.
2: Yeah. There's also the, the kind of ongoing concern with the Bengals where their offensive line isn't as good as you would expect a team that uh, has such an incredible offense and Burrow takes so many sacks that one, obviously taking sacks is bad and uh, lessens your chance of winning games. Then also uh, has to increase the injury risk as well, somewhat for Burrow, uh, even though outside, obviously, of the torn ACL, he has been pretty durable. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens, uh, one of the more compelling teams in the NFL. Their win total is 10.5, minus 150 to make the playoffs, and they are plus 250 to win the division 10 to 1 AFC, 18 to 1 Super Bowl. I don't really know why gap is this big between the Bengals and the Ravens to win this division why the Bengals are a plus 120 and the Ravens are plus 250 I think that should be much more even I think the the Ravens have a much more well-rounded roster uh, I would be taking like you Joe Burrow over Lamar Jackson and that's the reason why I think the Bengals are rightfully favored over the Ravens but I don't think the gap should be this big uh, what do you make of the Ravens
0: yeah and I agree with you, but I will say that um, the deeper I dig on their roster, the less di- less impressed I I come away with, okay. um, which is you know which is disappointing because all of the other moves they made this year, retaining Lamar Jackson's certainly first and foremost. Um, going, to you know, depart, you know, letting, uh, great, replacing Greg Roman with uh, uh, Todd Munkin—that's exciting. Like, you know, a- everything they did makes me want to believe that the Ravens are going to be able to flip the Bengals just in terms of outcomes this year. But the skill position room is still pretty weak outside of Mark Andrews. Uh, they're throwing a lot of, uh, you know, hope into the basket of young player development. Um, And or, you know, reclamation project for OBJ. And that to me, that's still kind of need to see it (laughs) to believe that they're going to be, you know, this dynamic passing attack. Uh, Similarly, the offensive line has slowly eroded. They now have the worst offensive line unit of the four teams in the AFC North, which is surprising. Um, But, uh, you know, in in the defense, they've had some turnover. Some of the older guys who are, you know, had some big salary numbers out the door, uh, making room for, you know, the next guys to step up and potentially continue the success because it's a really well-coordinated unit. And obviously I have a a huge fondness for uh, Harbaugh as a coach. So, you know, I, 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 I agreed. Just sentiment-wise, they should be closer to the uh, the Bengals in terms of outright price there. But uh, you know, they need to see some of these young players, particularly on the uh, offensive line and at the skill positions, take a significant step forward in order to keep up with the likes of the Bengals, who I think we're going to be talking about scoring thirty every given week.
2: Yeah, I think with the Ravens at least this season, there is hope at the wide receiver position, whereas in previous years it was just like, all right, we'll just roll out. Devin DuVernay and Demarcus Robinson. At least now they have they have at least different lottery tickets in Odell and Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman, who, you know, again may just be healthy. It was only two years ago that Rashad Bateman was the 27th pick in the draft. I think it's too early to write him off entirely. Nelson Aguilar for what he's worth. And obviously you've got Mark Andrews there, who I think will be better than last year, where it seemed like he it was dealing with some injuries. You know that Kyle Hamilton was the number one safety by PFF grade (laughs) last season? He was not only that, not only was he number one, Among safeties, he was third in pass rush grade, fifth in coverage grade, and sixth in run defense, uh, which is pretty impressive and well-rounded. And he's obviously someone that uh, the advanced stats loved out of college. uh, And everyone thought he was a steal for the Ravens. Uh, And yeah, I'd say that he's going to get better. But if he's already the best, uh, probably not much further he can go up. But yeah, I think obviously with the Ravens, it largely comes down to Jackson's health. Uh, And if he's going to be the guy that he was in the first two months of last season, where he was a top three, top five MVP candidate, then the Ravens are a very good chance uh, to win the AFC North. But if he's going to get injured, uh, as tends to be the case ever since his MVP season in 2019, uh, then their ceiling obviously gets drastically reduced in terms of. Awards markets, Lamar is 16 to 1 MVP, 20 to 1 Offensive Player of the Year. Probably not quite long enough for me to get involved at either of those prices, although I do think he is on the short list of guys who can win. Say Flowers, 20 to 1 Offensive Rookie of the Year, and John Harbaugh, 25 to 1 Coach of the Year. Any of those that you like?
0: No, I think we got to wait and uh, try to get a better price, if if at all, on Lamar MVP. That's the only thing that I really have circled. Um, but I would like. I think just looking at the sequence of their scheduling, um, these guys, you know, now I, you know, I should caveat this. They tend to treat preseason super uh, seriously. And that has them playing well out of the gate, whereas other teams kind of use that force four weeks as an extended preseason. Uh, So they may get out to a decent start and that may kind of uh, uh, shape some of these markets. But uh, the way that the games are sequenced, I could see them, you know, and just in general, integrating all these new pieces on offense. Todd Munkin's system being new, um, you know, they may not take off sincerely until October uh, at which point I think you may be able to get Lamar Jackson in the 30-to-1 range or even higher because some AFC team is going to sprint out to a lead and that quarterback presumably is going to be your you know, your market-shortening uh, player.
2: Indeed. All right, let's get to the Cleveland Browns, who to me are maybe the most fascinating team in the league going into the season. I think they probably have the widest range of outcomes of any team just because I've got no idea what Deshaun Watson is anymore, if he's going to be the guy who was a top, three top five quarterback his last year in Houston or he was going to be the guy that he was last year, uh, which was, you know, a extremely below average quarterback, uh, because when you look at the Cleveland roster out around Deshaun, I mean, they have, I think, safe to say a top five roster in the league outside of the quarterback position. Uh, they have one of the best offensive lines in the game. They have obviously Miles Garrett, who's now flanked by Zadarius Smith. Uh, who was, you know, a down ballot defensive player of the year candidate for a stretch last season. Still, some questions in the secondary and at receiver once you get past the Murray Cooper. But this team is pretty stacked, and it largely comes down to Deshaun and what he's going to look like. Uh, they are set at nine and a half. Their win total plus four hundred to win the division, which I don't mind, and then twenty to one to win the conference, thirty-five to one Super Bowl. Deshaun Watson, I don't think, is going to win MVP 30 to 1. It's actually an interesting conversation to have where if Deshaun Watson, if he was the best candidate by margin, would he win MVP? Uh, I think probably. I actually think that he might uh, if he was so far ahead of the field, but he's going to have to be uh, pretty far ahead of the field. Uh, What do you make of the Cleveland Browns?
0: Yeah, there's a future where he gets consideration, but it's probably not this year. He needs a palate-cleansing season. Um, where you, you know people are kind of more focused on the football that he's producing than the off-field stuff, and that may be this year. I am very buyer beware with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, uh, I don't, uh, I don't take a ton of um, exception to your qualifying about their roster and their offensive roster in particular. It looks like a top ten unit uh, on paper, but the defense I have issues with. I know they're making a huge, huge um, uh, change. In terms of style of defense, going from uh, you know the, the what was a pretty unimpressive uh, kind of scheme last year to Jim Schwartz now in the building, who presumably will bring the pressure uh, and find unique ways to get pressure, but he's working with parts that aren't especially highly regarded—at least by my numbers. I rate them overall as the 18th best defense in the NFL. Uh, I think their front seven is uh, you know is in the bottom ten. Uh, DB, DBs, I have some questions here, and the depth is an issue too. They're spending so heavily at the top of that uh, roster that you know the guys at depth are going to have to kind of surprise you to the good, um, you know, for injury backfilling and for some of the specialty, uh, um, you know, packages they may want to use. So uh, I think the defense is susceptible, and the offense to me, I yeah, maybe Deshaun Watson can produce top five football from the quarterback position. Sure, that's a reality we could. You know, be talking about for a lot of this season coming up. The way that he succeeded and when, you know, and the style of defense that was prevalent at that time, you know, was, in my opinion, is a thing of the past. You know, defense has aggressively shifted uh, and is running much more, uh, you know, too high safety uh, and really taking away the home run threat. And Watson, for what it's worth, when we saw him in Stefanski's system last year, was holding on to the ball too long, which was characteristic of a lot of his play over the years. He was not taking the short, intermediate stuff really uh, to the degree that it was available to him. Um, And, you know, they're wasting a little bit of a good offensive line with him in the backfield because there's, you know, their guys were winning 1v1 in pass pro, but. It's still, seven, ten seconds later, you know that's asking too much to continue to provide a pocket for him. So um, he needs to. Relearn a lot of the kind of key ways to play f- quarterback in today's NFL, in my opinion. Uh, and I also don't 100% know that he's a fit with what Stefanski wants to run. Um, and so I'm perfectly fine being on the sidelines while people are excited about that t- this team this season uh, as a potential high upside team. I see them more as surprising to the bad on the defensive side of the ball and needing. Watson to get to the 30 point marker to win uh, a ton of their games that are on their schedule. So, um, you know, I don't have a specific way to fade the Browns necessarily, but uh, I certainly am not going to be on the, uh, on the wagon if they are out to a three and one four zero type of start. And people are saying, Hey, you didn't give us enough respect. And Deshaun Watson is top, top five kind of a guy. Um, and, you know, if, if that's the case and I miss out on it, so be it. But, uh, you know, this is a team that is still very much improvement mode for me.
2: Yep. No, fair enough. They've got a ton of upside, but also uh, plenty of downside. They were the worst rushing defense in the league last year uh, by rushing EPA, uh, which is not ideal. They were a much better pass defense, though, which is more important. But uh, yeah, plenty to prove for the Browns. uh, Do need to see something from Deshaun Uh, in terms of other Markets, the Browns, they do feature pretty prominently. Miles Garrett, second favorite for Defensive Player of the Year at plus 700, which I think is reasonable. I would have him second favorite as well behind Micah Parsons. But plus 700, it's not super appetizing. Nick Chubb, 25-1 to 1 Offensive Player of the Year. Probably rather see what the offense looks like. There have been murmurs that it's going to be very pass-heavy. Uh, we will see. Uh, I don't really ever read anything into what coaches say the offense is going to be like in the preseason. I remember last year, uh, Frank Reich talking about how Jonathan Taylor was going to be less of a workhorse, and they were going to get Naheem Hines more involved, and I think Taylor had 30 carries in week one. Uh, to throw <laughs> that out the window. Uh, Chubb, look, I think Chubb is he'd be on he's on the short list of, 12, 13 guys that you think that can win this award. Though, to be fair, two years ago, Cooper Cup would not have been on that short list uh, and won with one of the greatest seasons of all time. So uh, take that for what it's worth. But Chubb, I think more one to watch at this point. And Kevin Stefanski's 25-1. to He's not going to win coach of the year, I would have thought. No, Uh, no. Let's jump to... Go ahead. I I
0: was just (laughs) going to add, Stefanski's on hot seat watch for me. Yes. If it doesn't go well... You Can't fire Deshaun Watson with what they've given him, so it's got
2: to no. be Stefanski. It's got to be Stefanski. All right, let's yeah. jump to the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, who are a team I know you're keen to talk about. Their win total is eight and a half back to over division odds plus 500 and then 35 to one to win the AFC, uh, 60 to 66 to one to win the Super Bowl, plus 145 to win the playoffs, uh, to make the playoffs. So the market's saying they're about. Almost uh around a forty percent chance to do that. Uh you like the Steelers, don't you, Drew?
0: I do. Um and it's relative to market price, so Let's take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. <laughs> this is not a team that I'm looking at the numbers on paper and saying, "Oh my gosh, this is clearly a top five team." Why is nobody paying attention to them? No, they're they're, but they're a better team than you know, a little bit better than 500, which is their current market rating. Um, you know, the power ratings. If you kind of assess, you know, markets not just week one but throughout the season, some of the look ahead numbers tell you that they're you know they'd be you know about an average team. Uh, you know, pick them to an average team on a neutral field type of power rating, and for me, that's too low. Uh, part of the reason is the defense. Uh, I have their defense rated as top six. Um, it's balanced, both the front seven and the and the um, back. You know, the defensive backfield are both top uh, eight units for me. They have one of the deepest squads. Some of the reserves, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, very good. Um, people kind of looked at them and don't see name brand recognition on the offensive line, so they kind of. assume Assume that those guys are bad. But realistically, they all performed fairly well last year. They're added depth through the draft this year. So I think that's going to be a top half of the league offensive line. Skill position group is good. And Kenny Pickett is a little bit of an unknown in terms of where he lands this year. uh, But we saw clear signs of growth, not just with his performances last year, but with the way that he was utilized in the Matt Canada system. Matt Canada was a punching bag for us for lots of 2022 because so much of what he was doing, particularly in the first half of the season, was so vanilla and so predictable that it just didn't have a chance to really succeed. And he threw some curveballs. He found some interesting ways and some interesting routes as the season went on. And Kenny Pickett emerged to the tune of you know, a clear bet on team down the stretch as they were catching points in a bunch of games where they should have been favored. Um, I think they come into this season with the same sort of mentality. And Kenny Pickett, if he gives you the 24th best quarterback performance in the NFL this season, this is still a Pittsburgh team that I think wins 10 games. And if he makes a step forward and is league average or better, then all of a sudden Pittsburgh, I think, is thinking uh, about trying to make some sort of a playoff run. Now, I don't think it's worth backing them in the futures market outrights because Kenny Pickett's going to go. Go through the learning curve of first ever playoffs even if they have some home games i would expect it to be a little bit of a, a reach for them to uh, you know make a true deep run in the playoffs so i'm not backing them in the uh, uh, afc or the uh, or the super bowl market at big prices uh, however i do think there's a way to capture the, uh, the the possibility of upside and that is of course with our guy Mike Tomlin never had a losing season, but also never been voted the coach of the year. Jay, and if you are tired of hearing that, I have bad news for you because I'm going to say it a hundred times. If the Steelers are winning games to try to get his campaign off the ground, I think Mike Tomlin um, in the 25 to one, 30 to one range for coach of the year is one of the better future bets on the board because you're basically saying they have a t- roster that's talented enough to surprise and win uh, the AFC North. That price is five to one. If they do it, Tomlin winning coach of the year should be. That's like a directly correlated uh, outcome in my mind because he's so well liked and he has never gotten the recognition. So um, I am pretty well staked in this now, so I don't mind talking about it. But uh, that's uh, of all the future bets that I can make this moment. That one's the one I'm the most excited about.
2: No, I like that. I'm uh, fully aboard the Mike Tomlin Coach of the Year train. I think the good thing about that, well, there's two good things. The first thing is that, kind of like the Matt LaFleur angle, like you just you need one thing to go right, and that's for Kenny Pickett to be good. Because if he's good, the rest of the roster is good enough for Mike Tomlin to get to a Coach of the Year winning record. Uh, I think people forget also last season that TJ Watt missed half the year He's their <laughs> yeah. best player, yeah. uh, so he comes back. Pickett, who did show, I think, he showed a fair bit, I think, in the second half of last year once he got past through the disaster games like he had against Buffalo starting out. By the end of the season, he was playing at an acceptable level by EPA per play. He was 23 out of 31 ranked quarterbacks, which for a rookie is fine, I think. Uh, So I think Pickett does have a bit of upside. Uh, And he's young enough that, you know, you can ride that upside potentially to a coach of the year win for Mike Tomlin. The other thing that's good, and you touched on this, is that Tomlin is the kind of character or archetype where (laughs) if if he is the most deserving candidate, he's going to win. He's like yeah. the antithesis of Rudy Gobert and defensive player of the year a couple of years ago where it's like, well, no one wants to vote for him, so he better have a far and away best case uh, around. Because if Tomlin has the best case, then he's absolutely going to win the award because he's a Super Bowl winning coach, never below 500, all of that, and he's never won this award before. So all that adds up, like Mike Tomlin, a lot. All right. Yeah before we pivot to Wimbledon just a reminder Sunday morning's mean MLB leadoff on Peacock you can live stream games all season long and this week the AL West leading Rangers travel to the nation's capital to face the nationals coverage of the matchup begins at 1130 a.m. Eastern again it's exclusively on Peacock
0: hey fidelity
1: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and
0: purchases you need.
2: There's about 5,000 Wimbledon matches happening right now <laughs> speak, as they try and catch up uh, on round one matches. We're recording this uh, late Wednesday and still getting through round one. Uh, let's talk about the women's draw, which I think is, well, I'm going to say it's ripe for an underdog or a long shot to win, but Higgins looked pretty good. <laughs> um in taking care of business but still i do think that we could see a long shot triumph uh, is there anyone uh, that piques your interest at the moment
0: well you're gonna have to shop in the top half if you're looking for a long shot i think because the quality on the bottom half is clearly making itself known um everyone that i had questions about outside of maria Sachary has answered those questions pause to the good Positive performances from Anz Jabor, which was on a little bit unexpected. Um, rabakana comes back uh, in impressive fashion down the stretch. And Sabalenka just looks like she's on cruise control for this first week. So that all of the good women in the bottom half of this draw uh, are still very, very live. And boy, oh boy, is the fourth quarter just absolutely loaded with really, really good players still. Uh, so I don't think you're getting a long shot in quarter three or quarter four. Um Iga is playing with a lot of confidence. <laughs> she looks good. She looks like she's playing without a lot of, um, you know, kind of you know, no, no nervous energy at all. She's just out there very, very loose and, you know, just hitting absolute uh, lasers. Um, she's going to be tough to beat in Q1. Uh, So I think if you're looking for something squirrely, I would shop in the second quarter where, uh, you know, your top seed in Jess Jess Pagula is beatable. Uh, Ludmilla Samsonova already gone. Coco uh, Goff was in Q2. Let me see, Q1. She's been eliminated. Um, And, uh, you know, I think Caroline Garcia and, you know, to a lesser extent, Kudur Matova are still a bit unproven at the slam level. So, yeah. Definitely would expect Q2 to be where an out, you know, a a, a, a longer price comes in, uh, and I don't really have a specific uh, inclination to back any of these uh, women other than uh, what I'm already holding in Veronica Kudromatova. So um, that one, that's sort of the way it's breaking. But it has been a chalky, chalky start.
2: It has, yeah. I'm going to give you some some long shots who I've bet over the past couple of days uh, to win the whole thing. Back Belinda Benchich at 95 to one to Mm. win Wimbledon. Just thinking that I think that she's a top five, top seven grass court player when she's fully healthy and going, and she looked pretty healthy and taking care of business. In round one, uh, Sophia Kennan, who looked great in dispatching Coco Golf, back to her at 110 mm. to 1, uh, which I think the market's overreacted there. Now she's into like 22 to 1, which is a bit insane. I think she should be more 40 to 1, 50 to 1 range. Uh, Potapova at 100 to 1. And then I mean, this bet's going to lose, but Danielle <laughs> Collins, Danielle Collins, shouldn't be two hundred and sixty to one to win Wimbledon. It's insane. Danielle no. Collins can play anyone off the court on her day, so she'll blow it at some point. Uh, she'll lose the plot, but two hundred and sixty one to for Danielle Collins is is just too big, especially after she got through in uh, in straight sets uh, today. Let's uh, let's pivot to the men's side. Novak Djokovic uh, made hard work of it, uh, but got through. And is minus 175 mm-hmm. uh, to win Wimbledon. Carlos Alcaraz, 3-1. to one. Yannick Sinner looking better than anticipated, 16-1. to one. Uh, And then Daniel Medvedev, fourth favorite at 20-1. to one. Have you seen anything that uh, gives you pause about a Djokovic-Alcaraz final?
0: We have. It's been a slow start to Wimbledon, Jay. It's been a slow start because of the rain. The men's Wimbledon just, still does not start for about eight days. Um okay. No one's beating Djokovic in this form. He looks great. Uh, his, I mean, honestly, t- today was kind of a tough test, and I thought he answered it perfectly. Um, Jordan Thompson is an experienced player. He's best on grass, and he knows some tricks. Uh, and you know, when, uh, you know, his balls lo- low. Djokovic just demolished it. It was, um, you know, it was a very very solid showing, even in a, you know what out of scoreline level doesn't look that competitive. Um, the Alcaraz match and you know he dispatched a, a player who's retiring who's not very good uh, and so that's not entirely surprising but um, he uh he looked incredible as well. He's going to have something to say about this tournament before it's over. And uh, I'm excited to see him play against Rune potentially in the quarterfinals and Djokovic in the finals. I think those are going to be your top two matches of the entire draw on the men's side. And uh, I don't really have any kind of appetite to go against uh, you know either of these players uh, just because the quality is so, so, so much higher than the rest of the field.
2: Yep, we agree there. All right, let's get into Wake and Cash Thursday. I'll start us off. I'm taking uh, Annette Kontaveit at plus 160 to beat Marie Buscova. And geez, Annette's cost me a lot of money over the journey, but I'm going back to the well with Kontuvite. Uh I think she's a very difficult player to price at the moment. This is her farewell tournament. Very young retirement, dealing with a chronic back issue, but she looked fantastic, I thought well, at least relative to expectation in round one. Uh, And I think that she will hopefully not be on court six uh, in round (laughs) two for a player who was very recently number two in the world in a farewell tournament. Uh, And I think that she will have... A bit too much for Buskova, and the good thing here in backing the plus-160 underdog is that if Contevite's on her game, then I don't think Buskova has the game to keep up. is much more, I think, just kind of solid, uh, not really super high variance. She had a great run last year at Wimbledon, but I think her... Her, uh, was it, quarterfinal matchup against Ons Jabur was kind of instructive where Ons yeah. self-destructed in the first set, as she's prone to do. Uh, and then in the second and third sets, turned it on and Biscova just couldn't stay on the court with her at all. So I think that Contevite has a lot more upside and will clearly be incentivized to play well, given that it is her farewell tournament. And I think that she will win as a plus 160 money line underdog. What have you got?
0: I'm going to go with uh, the young Spaniard who cost me some money this time last year as he ousted uh, Hubert Hercatch in round one. Uh, And his name is Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, ADF, as he's colloquially known. Uh, He is a top 30, clearly in my numbers, player in the world. Uh, And realistically, I think his grass pedigree is a bit overlooked because he's just hasn't played a ton of, you know, uh, pro- tour level grass tournaments, but he's previous Wimbledon Juniors champion, and he was really, really quite excellent last year, I thought, uh, in his first round uh, dispatching of her catch. He takes on now uh, a very young and unproven player in Archer Fills. uh Fun game, uh, but a game that is very, very finely tuned for Clay at this point in his career progression. So I think Davidovich Fokina takes care of him relatively comfortably there, and I laid the one and a half sets at plus one. One twenty-five. Uh, I would go as low as even money there I think davidovich Fokina comes through 3-1 or 3-0 on a, the way to um, you know providing some pretty entertaining tennis I like where he landed in the draw in terms of giving us uh, some fun matches before his time here is done
2: yep like that and uh, ADF gave Novak a pretty good game uh, at Roland did. Garros uh, so certainly a rising player to watch all right ADF and Contevite that is the ticket We are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. For everyone watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel, thank you. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you soon.